Hi, welcome to the Super Hot Bad Guy Podcast, the place where we talk about the bad guys and gals from films and TV and discuss why we find them so sexy. We're your hosts, Eric, Natasha, and Markella. And so how Nat- are you guys? Oh, oh yeah. How are how are, how how is everyone? Uh, we all have coffee. We are sleepy. Oh yeah. It's a Sunday morning, mm-hmm. and we bumped everything from ten to eleven to twelve to after twelve. What time is it right now? Oh, one thirty. One thirty. Yeah. We had to. We all came in with coffee, and then we had more coffee. Mm-hmm. We had to make more. I guess should we talk about why that is? To me, it's just a long week. I worked 10 hours yesterday, went home, walked my dog. I actually did stay up late. I braided my hair and then went to bed at 2. <laughs> you braided your own hair? Did you French braid it? No, they're all like little, they're big like rope braids. Wow. Can you teach me how Oh, to they're so hair? easy. Yeah, totally. Okay. Just cool. time easy. consuming. It's time consuming if you're doing individual ones. and I've tried to do those uh, tutorials on YouTube, but... French braiding, at least. You just I have can. to find one that clicks with you. Because I've watched so many braiding ones. They go so fast. I finally found two that were like, oh, that makes perfect sense. Like, okay. thank you for not making this super confusing. <laughs> and then now I'm like, oh, cool. I can do this all day. How about you? Me? I had kind of a long adventure day yesterday. Uh, went and checked out an art gallery. Really good stuff. It's at the... Her name is Jody, the artist, and it's at the Shift Gallery downtown. And this thing she put together, the theme was corn, but it was really good. It had a really good flow throughout the pieces. And then the depiction of what the human and what the human relationship is to that material was really interesting. After that, I went to a board game auction, which was crazy. It was intense. (laughs) It was a lot of waves of bidding and a lot of people trying to get a good deal. So when things actually got, you know, people started to bid on them, it was really exciting because, you know, there were games that people were very competitive over, and uh, I don't think any of the prices got so high that it was a landslide or just completely (laughs) mind-blowing, but it was fun. It was really fun. I think everybody made out reasonably well, and it's going again today, so I don't know if I'm going back later. I kind of hope not because it's exhausting. Board games. Board games. Uh, you said that you were coming in late because you were at a girl's house and then you had like a 80s moment outside of my house when you got an Uber dropped off today. Oh, that wasn't an Uber. <laughs> that was her. Oh, that was oh, her? Mm-hmm. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. I thought you both took an Uber and I, I was like, I didn't know you could even do that. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah. Uh, she dropped me off. She's really cool. And she was the one who took me to the board game auction just because she had that plan today. So uh, she has a car. Yeah. Fancy. That's I know, fancy. it is. <laughs> uh, what did I do yesterday? I still have my back injury, so I'm being very careful. But I kind of overdid it last night. In the way of, I went across the lake to uh, like a, just a movie night. We did a double feature of Meet the Feebles. Hmm. And then we did Dudley Prey. And both of those movies are the two most ridiculous films that anyone could think of ever, I'm assuming. Have you seen either of those? I have not. Meet the Feebles is Peter Jackson's X-rated Muppet movie. Uh, it's very gross. It's very, there's a lot of throwing up and like drug overdoses and murder and, and then Deadly Prey is uh, a lot of muscles and uh, screaming, knives, grenades. And then I went to Capitol Hill where they were doing like wear all purple Prince party at the Comet. 
Yeah. And people got so emotional last night. It was almost to last call. So it was about 1.40 in the morning. Yeah. And they were playing Purple Rain last. And they were pumping like a fog machine. And nice. all, the, all the lighting was purple. And so the whole room was like misty purple. And everyone that had been dancing on the tables and on the booth chairs and like they all started crying and like everybody was like hugging each other and kissing and crying and on all of the tv screens they were playing uh, the movie purple rain yeah very um surreal moment i took a couple pictures yeah that's yeah, really made this week pretty intense in a lot of ways yeah uh, you know i just moved yeah. here from minneapolis uh less than a year ago and watching my friends feeds go off has been just incredible a lot of storytelling and then i mean the entire downtown just exploded loaded a whole slew of fans were outside of first avenue and they just there's a really good video of everybody singing purple rain and it's just thousands of people crammed into From here? no in minneapolis oh, it, yeah. so first avenue is a really if you've seen the movie purple rain that's the club that he's in all the time with the the time oh. and uh, morris day and the time and uh it's sort of a spiritual place as far as people consider for him because it's really where he got his rise and uh was allowed to experiment a lot, and it's a great club. I have a prop for you guys that no one can see, but but you two. <laughs> so I was walking back to the car last night. Oh my god! And I so I bought these shoes in 1998. They from, look like 1998 from, shoes for the listeners. Yeah, yeah. from Thessaloniki, Greece. They are like cyberpunk platform shoes, and both of them last night completely split in half while I was walking to the car. Just out of nowhere. Oh, no. They had no previous uh, wear on them. And one of the shoes, the platform is completely, has completely broken the shoe into two halves. Oh, no. It's really impressive. I know. Look at this one. so cool. Oh, my God. Oh, Oh, God. God. (laughs) For the listeners, a whole bunch of, like, platform dust from these crumbling (laughs) material just got all over the table. It's It's fantastic. I don't know how long ago 1998 was, but I think that the shoes are just naturally disintegrating. Like, the material is... Yeah. Yeah. They're done. Yeah. I'll just take a picture and throw it up on, like, Instagram, and that'll be that. Yeah. Let's just say that that people born when you bought those boots can vote now. Mm Mm-hmm. Or Gorilla Glue. Gorilla Glue is the most amazing (laughs) thing on the planet. Okay, uh, so Natasha, why don't you, as we did with the last episode, tell us who we're um, focusing on today? Ooh, yay! We are focusing on Cruella Deville from 101 Dalmatians, the live action film yeah. with Glenn Close as Cruella Deville. Mm-hmm. What is uh, what does Cruella look like? Um, she's I actually really loved her style even now. Yeah. Like I thought it was really flipping cool like she kind of looks like a really rich punk (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) that's all i could like really think half her hair is black half her hair is white and she wears these really intense all black and white skin tight dresses with these eccentric like capes or fur capes you have to wonder what kind of woman she is that at that age she chooses to be so bright and uh flashy yeah, I really actually like her as a villain. Like, yeah, I like her character. I think she's really weird and abrasive in, like, a really great way. 
<laughs> Eventually, she kind of goes crazy at the end of the movie, but I really liked her character. I think I liked her more than the couple. <laughs> oh, well, they're kind of dry toast. Oh my gosh, they were so, they were dry toast vanilla. Mm-hmm. The movie was kind of hard to get through. Oh my gosh, so hard. <laughs> Had either of you seen it before? Because I had never seen the live action. I believe I saw both in theaters when I was a kid. Uh, Because they did like a really like a free movie uh, Sundays, I think, in my in the town near where I grew up. And both towns are very small. So it was just a nice thing they did for the kids. And I remember enjoying it as a kid, although I really liked the cartoon because I liked talking animals for sure. So it was kind of trippy that they weren't talking and the adventures were much more physically based but glenn close definitely added a lot of life to it glenn close and puppies were my favorite part i was like oh my gosh puppies i'm so happy that they it was a live action movie where the animals weren't talking because that's all you get now and this was 1996 Mm -hmm. yeah good for them for not doing the talking animals uh, so I watched the sequel yesterday, which was even harder to get through, even though the storyline was new, because the this 90, 1996 one was almost a frame for frame, just remake of the cartoon. cartoon. Yeah, that's what made it rough for me. And then the sequel wasn't as good. There was a talking parrot in it that just talked like the way I'm talking right now. Oh, yeah. <laughs> what was the second one even about? What was the sequel? So the conceit of the sequel, 102 Dalmatians from the year 2000, it was mostly centered around Glenn Close. She got top billing. It is because she was the only character from the first film to come back. So the conceit of the film is it it follows Dipstick's family. So if you recall Dipstick, the dog with the black tail. Mm -hmm. So Dipstick grows up and has a family of his own. He has a a young blonde human mother who is basically Anita's replacement. Uh, This lady, don't remember her name, blonde, young blonde lady. She lives alone in an apartment with Dipstick and Dipstick's uh, dog wife and their dog Dalmatian children. And Cruella DeVille... She was in prison in the last movie, and then she has basically been transferred over to the care of Dr. Pavlov, who is doing uh, human and animal experiments, and he's a kind doctor, and he only wants to cure people, so think A Clockwork Orange when they brainwash Michael McDowell at the end of the movie into being a good guy. So Cruella DeVille has been cured, and they release her back into normal life, and she, Cruella DeVille, immediately goes to... The young blonde female, because apparently Cruella DeVille's life revolves around young blonde women that ultimately end up feeding her her Dalmatian addiction. Yeah. It's a spiral (laughs) that she has. They are in London. Big Ben, the clock, goes off. And Dr. Pavlov realizes that all of his dogs, or the, I'm sorry, all of his animals are triggered by the sound of the bells. Get it? Pavlov's dogs. Yep. Mm-hmm. At the sound of the bells. Your phone chime is actually kind of perfect right there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah the sound of the bells. Get it? Markella's Pavlovian response was to pick up the phone and give it what it needed. Yeah, I've been trained, uh, conditioned. So anyway, he, Dr. Pavlov realizes that for some reason, the bells turn everybody back to their former selves. And he's like... We'll be ruined. We can't let this go get out. So Cruella DeVille has a puppy. She throws all her furs away. And then she hears Big Ben go off. 
Doesn't it go off like every hour? How Fucking did she not? Whatever. <laughs> well, the, the blonde lady's office that she's in is right, has like it... the clock. It's like in her window frame, and uh, so she can really like hear it. And she goes crazy. She becomes herself again. And so the rest of the movie is just that. Yeah. It's, uh, it's Dipstick's family. And Cruella has a little buddy in this movie. It's this fashion designer guy that looks like he's kind of from... This is pre-Zoolander, but he looks like he would fit into uh, the film Zoolander pretty okay. well. yeah. He's into, like, brown and black, like, tiger stripe type stuff. An animal fur. And she... Cruella, she starts with this black and white. And she goes into more, like, red. There's, like, this weird, like... Asian thing that she's wearing throughout the movie where she gets more like Asian and like black and red inspired for no reason because it's not really Dalmatian-y. Yeah. I guess they just thought in the sequel they had to change it up. It's 102 Dalmatian. In a nutshell. Mm-hmm. You're welcome. Uh-huh. Well, so she's basically reverting back to the kind of villain she is in the in the first movie. Yeah. Uh, sounds horrible. It was, it was a bad movie. <laughs> First of all, watching this movie, I never realized that Deville, Cruella Deville, was spelled devil. Uh huh. Like, yeah. Cruel devil. devil. Yeah. Totally went over my head for, you know, up until a couple days ago. In other countries, it means basically the same thing. Came from hell, from hell, devil. <laughs> it's like kind of cool. It's like, oh, okay. Exactly. Depending on where you're at, it pretty much all means the same thing. Okay. I wish they would have kind of put more of who she was in the book in the movie just because it makes more sense to her name because there's a part like they talk about um, you read the book not i didn't read the book but i read um you know like side notes cliff notes cliff notes there you go and i guess uh there's a lot of similarities in the movie in the book but i think the book better describes her name just because uh Who's the girl, the blonde girl in the... Anita. Anita. Yeah. Um, They were actually friends from school, and that's how they knew each other in the book. And they go over to Coelho DeVille's house for, like, a house party in the summer, and she's wearing, like, that signature, like, white fur coat. And uh, I think Anita's husband says something like, aren't you warm? It's summer, and you're wearing a fur coat. There's a fire going, and she's complaining the entire time how she's cold. And so, and the house is just, like, you know, unbelievably hot. Is she super thin like she is in the country? Yeah, so she's really, really thin. She's complaining that it's hot. And then she's very just, she just says all these insanely inappropriate things that people just let pass because she's just so wealthy, basically. She sounds really interesting. Yeah, and then her husband in the book is a fur courier, so that's how she kind of gets... I think the only reason why she really married him is because of that. And he's, like, as meek as her assistant in the movie. So the guy that gets her drinks and all that stuff in the movie, like, that's representative of her husband in the book. Doesn't really speak a lot, scared at loud noises, kind of like a mouse. I was wondering, I couldn't tell, especially in the second movie, he, that character, her, like, Footman, I guess. Yeah. He comes back to her, but it didn't really seem like he was in love with her because I feel like in a different film he would be doing all those things because he has feelings for her, and I didn't really. Oh no, I feel like he was scared. Yeah. Well, no. I well, at least in this in one hundred and two Dalmatians, he seemed like he actually wanted to be there, but it wasn't because he had feelings for her that were romantic. Yeah. And then also with her little 
fashion designer buddy that she had. First of all, he didn't seem like homosexual, but he also didn't seem like they were being buddies together because they were into each other either. And it was pretty cool to have Cruella have these like male relationships around her that weren't based on like attraction. Yeah. It was really cool. I think I initially really liked her in the beginning because when she was talking with Anita in their office and Anita's like, oh, well, you know, until I meet someone, I'll pretty much be here and I have no prospects. And Quill's like, why did that make any flippin' difference? Like, <laughs> like, why would it matter right. if you met someone or not? She was, And then she made some really horrible joke about starting a family. But I was like, I... I'm with you with that. Like, Wait, why would it that, make any difference? I thought that Cruella was pushing her to get married. No, no? she okay. was pissed that, that she got married. She was, oh, like, actually right. really mad that she was pregnant, too. Yeah, she's pretty uppity when she goes and meets... Uh, oh, yeah. When she met Jeff her Daniels. husband, she... I, he he could have been, like, CEO of a bank. She would have found a reason to kind of shut him down. It's almost like Cruella's, like, oh, you don't need anything yeah. except... Mm. Yeah, like she was like, why would you need anything else? And even when she met him, it was kind of, I mean, she was kind of shitty. The little games kids play? Who the hell would get into that? Well, a lot of people. (laughs) So I was like, it's a growing market. And even I was thinking that, I was like, it is a growing market. (laughs) Like, what's wrong with you? And it's funny, this was made in 96, (laughs) and then in 98 is uh, a lot of gamers' favorite year in video games is 98. Everything just blew up with uh, what came out on N64 and PlayStation. So yeah. it was actually a pretty timely joke. Yeah, like, yeah. He was, if he was like working for Nintendo or Sony, he was about to make a bunch of money. money yeah. They didn't even know that. Pretty cool. And that he worked solely by himself. He like made this yeah, video. Weird. Yeah, I was like, whoa, I've never heard of that ever. <laughs> so with Cruella, the, when you first meet her, they do that classic male gaze thing where she, it's, the the ground view of she opens the door of the car and she steps down with her high heels and then it kind of follows her stockinged leg up yeah until you see like her face that's classic we're not supposed to do that anymore or at least we we do that for guys too and girls here i think it gives you a sense of I don't know. She's like very structured. It's just a very strong yeah. character as far as that goes. The the this male gaze thing. Sometimes it is. A, I don't want to say appropriate, but it would make sense for her because you're supposed to. It it shows how she's the one that has power, and her clothing is what she makes important to herself. So it's showing oh, yeah. the clothing that she's wearing. So in this case, it makes sense to film her like that when she first shows up. And she has a signature style, so I think it's kind of good to see, like, from... It would look almost awkward to do head-to-toe instead of the floor up. I feel like it would be weird to just see her, like, face and then see everything else. I want to see, like, a Comedy Central show make fun of that and just have the camera go really fast up and down and go, Whoa! (laughs) Go in and out, like, what is happening? scene where she's talking to Anita in that office she's uh she kind of looks over her shoulder and she is kind of scary yeah I was trying to look for uh look at it from a kid's point of view and she's a pretty scary character especially yeah. okay so we're, we're watching this movie as adults was it not ridiculous that it took them 45 minutes into the film to realize that oh I've got it Cruella wants the puppies because she wants to make them into her coat mm-hmm. 
Yeah. Like, I thought that I was thought, really insane, too. Like, I thought that they knew that from the very beginning. So did I. <laughs> Their reaction seemed... Like, when, <laughs> when she was trying to buy them, and they're like, exactly. they're not for sale. And it's like, and she, like, the look on her face alone is like... If she has puppies, I ain't telling this I'm bitch sorry. anything. You like have, <laughs> You have two boxes. One of them is near either of your hands. The first box is Cruella wants to make a coat made out of Dalmatian puppies. The second box next to your right hand is Cruella wants to buy all of your Dalmatian puppies. Yeah. You just clap your hands. I feel like in the first, <laughs> when Cruella walked up behind Anita in the fashion place and she looked at the dog and then looked at the designs and was like, I want a black and white fur coat with dots on it. And she's joking about killing your dog to make, like, no normal person is going to take that joke lightly. Like, you want to fucking kill my dog for its fur? Are you crazy? The follow up to buying the puppies, yeah. (laughs) And then she was so insanely insensitive about it. And then when she walked up and saw that they didn't have spots and she was disgusted, like, why is she in your home? I do like a like, villain. What are like, you doing? I like a villain who has an unnatural compulsion, and she's so driven. You know, it's not even that she hates dogs. Like that's not part of the story. Mm-mm. That like she was bit by a dog or anything. She wants the fur coat so bad because she wants to wear that and feel the power she thinks that'll give her. That she's like, yeah, I'll kill these dogs. Whatever. Terrifying. I mean, she had a white tiger from the zoo taken, killed for her own coat. Like, she could give two rat's asses about what the animal is. She just wants the coat. I was a little bit worried uh, going into watching these films. And I I was riding on the fact that it wouldn't be so graphic because they're for for kids. But I am one of those people that cares more about animals than I do about people. So... But with my adult brain, I can just hate her so much more for the way she thinks about things. That's part of what makes her a good villain. Her obsession completely overrides her compassion for animals or people. Well, that's the, like, main thing with villains. They really don't care. They have their own agenda, and that is the only thing they actually care about. And it's not tangible. It's just their, their motive. Let me go back for a second and ask you guys how you feel about her, uh, her lipstick God, I hated all of her makeup in the movie. You but, hated it? Oh my gosh, it was so harsh. Uh, <laughs> I feel like if it was done now, if they made another one, like the makeup would be really awesome. <laughs> but I get it's 1996, so I, like, what can you do? <laughs> I am obsessed with how she wore her lipstick because she took the lipstick and went all the way around her mouth like a circle. Like the corners of her mouth were thick lipstick. Yeah. Like a clown. And that was really hot. <laughs> I thought that was so cool. Like, it was, like, gross. I yeah. think maybe because I watch a lot of RuPaul's Drag Race where the drag queens will do that. Some of them, they'll put the lipstick very thick in the creases of their mouth so it just looks like a big O shape. Yeah. And it was awesome to me. I could not get enough. When, whenever she was screaming and you could see the corners of her mouth and how thick they were, I was so, it was great. I it definitely achieved the look of the animated Corella DeVille as well. And it's almost like the animated Joker as well, where you just have yeah. that, you just get a much more expressive face out of it. So I definitely That's liked- what I got from her makeup, because it looked white. Like, there was no yeah. pigment. What I, what I didn't like was her eyebrows seemed so out of place. You'd think that they would just pencil those in. Her, her hair is so changed. I yeah. mean, it is the color black and white. And yeah. it's so overdone. And all of her makeup is so overdone. But then her eyebrows look just like regular eyebrows. That's- 
Well, all together, I liked her look. I just didn't like it individually. Like, I loved all of her clothes together. Mm -hmm. I even liked how over-the-top rich she came off with wearing, like, floor-length, was it a tail or a train fur coat. But then you get to her face, and it's almost like she went to a a crazy, like, punk party the night before, woke up, just patted all the oil off of her face and left for work. Like, her hair didn't look done. Like, nothing else looked Mm -hmm. done, but, like, everything... Oh, and I loved the fake nails on her gloves. That was like... Oh, I didn't like it. Oh, I loved oh, that. On awesome every gloves. one of her like- gloves, she had fake nails. And I was like, oh, I want to do that. I thought that the fingers, <laughs> if they were going to do the nails, the fingers on the gloves needed to be more slender. And they came off like really like... Not sausage fingers, but just, I don't know, more yeah. like like gloves. It's definitely like more like claws. And yeah. like, that was oh. part of the whole Vanity Fair spread. So this movie... They took all the costumes and did a Vanity Fair spread because they were all just so striking and crazy and, uh, you know, so much more on the fashion side than the practical side of things that they really fit this haute couture baroness, if you will. Mm -hmm. The other thing about her makeup was her her eye makeup. I guess, if I'm paying attention, the only other place I've seen that style of eye makeup is on Red from Orange is the New Black. Yeah! And that's also, she's also like an older power woman. And I, it's not my favorite eye makeup, like with the two, with the double lines. Mm. Yeah, but I get, I guess I get why they do that. I would love if they made a hundred and one Dalmatians again, but they focus purely on Quilla Deville and how she grew up because she. I just the, love the like version. how trashy and like classy she tries to be. Like it tries to mix together. Just she seems like a fun. That. She seems like a fun woman when yeah. she goes to Anita's house. I mean, she seems kind of lonely, and if she didn't do the animal thing i would hang out with her because she seems really fun she yeah that's what i in the sequel she has like a big dinner party with like dogs and stuff and uh she has this crazy um sequin sparkly like red dress oh i'm sorry so they they are remaking the movie but i don't know anything about it so if they were trying to remake more of like the book like you're saying i would love it the girl playing cruella Deville is the girl from super bad and the she has red hair yeah she's in the new spider-man remakes Oh, Emma Stone. Emma, yeah. Stone, Emma Stone. Yeah. Emma Stone. I don't oh, like it. Oh, yeah. I don't. I, don't... <laughs> I feel like she doesn't do enough characters that come off as shitty people to make it work. Like, Glenn Close is like a given. She does most of her roles that are pretty much iconic are of her being just a shitty person. If they do her growing up story with Emma Stone, I think it'll be good. Because it's kind of, you can start with this sort of innocent yeah. girl next door look and kind of go crazy. And oh, yeah. make a villain out of it. And I think she can pull that off. If, if I can imagine Emma Stone with all that makeup on and that hair making the face, the crazy faces that Glenn Close makes in these movies, then yeah, I would enjoy watching that. If, it, if it's not, if she's not going to do that, then I don't want to see it. Because she needs to go all the way. I just love the backstory of it. And I, I kind of, I do want to read the book. And I really hope they just, they make a movie off the book. Because it's, it seems so now much I wanna read the crazier. Book. I wasn't into watching these movies. But now that you're talking about the book, it's almost like, it's like, I kind of want to make my own story. Yeah. it's a good premise, I think. I think she's just a cool villain that they should really work off of. I guess... 
I guess I would just rather have a 101 Dalmatian story that's more adult. Yeah. So I can enjoy it. That's what I would want. So you mentioned her clothes a little bit. What caught me was how much she covers up with clothes. Like how much of her body she covers up with clothes. There's fetishes for people who it's like the more clothes, the better. And in most of the movie, you only see like her head. She's wearing top to bottom clothing, like all the way like up to her neck. And that's really attractive for a lot of people. And it's, yeah. it's cool that how sexy she is. It's more about shape yeah. of her clothing that makes her her sex appeal sexy visually mm-hmm. is the shape of her clothing yeah and then her how she acts basically oh yeah even like down to the gloves she wears those everywhere like mm-hmm. she doesn't take them off when she gets into a place she's wearing all the way like rolled up gloves with fingernails on them yeah. like that's insane so and in, awesome <laughs> in the sequel especially towards the beginning the beginning of the sequel she wears so much clothes she comes out of the experiment warehouse I guess. And I think she's wearing like a semi like like nun outfit. Yeah. Cause she she comes out like, oh I'm cured. I'm so sweet. I'm so yeah. innocent and pure now. I'm I've changed so much. So she she's wearing like a, a nun outfit and it's fucking she looks like the abominable snowman. She has this huge nun hat on and it's it's like framing her face like a like a oval and all you see is her face floating in this outfit and it was sexy something about cruella to me because she wears so much clothing it's like the more clothes you put on her the more attractive she is and then like later on she's she's actually wearing a dress that's like kind of 50s style where it's like a form fitting and you see her knees and you i think her arms are bare and her chest is bare um and she's still like a thicker woman because she's older and she has like thicker waist thicker legs thicker arms thicker neck bigger you know big breasts yeah and it looked good Not like the cartoon. No. I'm trying to remember in the second film, in the first they did some really cool stuff with leather and PVC, like parts of the outfit to kind of get that that form fit down. I'm trying to remember in the second, when she comes back to being evil, she's no longer scared of fur. I'm trying to remember if they did anything like that with the outfits or if it was mainly just good, good cloth and fur stuff that they went with. She started wearing fur in the sequel when she became evil again. She goes back to Cruella. But I don't know, it was weird. It was like the movie started with her wearing black and white, but not fur black and white. Mm -hmm. And then when she got into fur again, she went into like brown and black furs, like normal animal furs that wasn't white. Mm -hmm. And then she had this weird like red Asian thing going on where she just got more and more like red and like, Mm. and it, it didn't even have anything to do with fur. And I don't understand their choice in doing that besides let's just make her look different yeah but it, it didn't help the storyline and yeah no. i don't think it was symbolic of anything i think they were just being sloppy but it looks great like the outfits are cool it's a little um what's the word insensitive yeah like racially insensitive yeah <laughs> you're not supposed to do that anymore but i guess in the year 2000 they they weren't there no yet. one no one really cared <laughs> well on the subject of her being covered and how you found that really hot. When I was looking up fur fetishes websites, there's just a YouTube channel of literally just models who pose in front of mirrors with their fur cat coats just closed. They're just posing and they're like, oh, So you're talking about fur do fetishes. I, yeah. They're like, do I look hot or am I hot? Literally nothing showing. It's just huge fur coats with them. 
Wait, you're posing saying... for a minute, and then it's <laughs> Wait, and it's like done. And you're you're like, saying really? that in the photos, they're like in their furs, looking at themselves in the mirror, like, hmm, do I look okay? Yeah, there's it's a YouTube <laughs> channel, so you, it's literally like a oh, minute. It's a video? To a minute and a half long, where there's a mirror here, it's like a vanity, and then a full-length mirror there, and they just go back wow. and forth, and they pretty much are like, how do I look? See? And it's like, what? <laughs> I, was but- listening, I was listening to a Harmontown episode where Dan Harmon was describing his leg and, like, foot and, like, shoe. It's not a shoe fetish, but his fetish that he has, where it almost takes the sexuality out out of it and he'll watch videos where uh women just it's videos of women like crossing their legs and having their shoe pop and like kind of dangle off their foot that gets people some people off yeah that that's all that they need is like a video of just having their shoe kind of like oops my shoe came off of my foot when i crossed my legs yeah that sounds like what you're describing yeah that's pretty much it was just with coats and it seems honestly really innocent as far as fetishes go it's not a, there's another girl i've kind of read through her blog she just likes the way she looks in fur thinks it's hot and <laughs> that's about it like <laughs> she did a photo shoot and it looked really cool and she was like i just like fur and i'm not ashamed of it i was like why would you be mm-hmm. you like to wear fur so cruella cruella hits a fur fetish and she hits a, like a restrictive clothing fetish. And she also has that fetish of that older, like power woman. And Eric, I wanted to ask you this because I didn't have a chance to research it myself, but mm-hmm. I know that especially with lesbians and bisexual girls, uh, girls who are attracted to girls often are wildly attracted to older women and older women that have like a lot of, like a bit, like a businesswoman or something. Mm-hmm. And the show Jessica Jones had a character like that, a character relationship where that actress that was Neo's girlfriend in The Matrix. Anne Moss. Oh, yeah. What, what's her name? Carrie Ann Moss. Carrie Ann Moss. So she's at that age now where she can be like the rich power woman. She has like shorter hair. She has kind of wrinkles going. Yeah. That's and, a super good dynamic. Yeah. Yeah. I remember the character you're talking about. And so she she's this bitchy, like older, powerful businesswoman. And she has a fiance who's a younger, really feminine girl. And that is so popular. I The friends that I have that are lesbians or just a, girls attracted to girls in the, in the first yeah. place, they always will talk endlessly like, Oh man, Judy Dench. Oh man, Tilda Swinton, Jessica Lange. Yeah. Just any woman, like basically over 40, is <laughs> just so attractive to them. And I feel like Cruella DeVille really fits that in this movie. Oh yeah. Totally. So, uh, so Eric, I wanted to ask you, do guys have that? I mean, it's not a fetish. It's more like, because I know that young girls are attracted to older men. And so and I was it's wondering. pretty much for the same reason that I feel like yeah. young lesbian girls would be attracted to that type exactly. of woman. Exactly. So yeah. are guys attracted to older women? Is that a thing? I think for oh, yeah. sure. Like are um, guys into Jessica Lange? It's, uh, guys are definitely into Jessica Lange. <laughs> <laughs> and it's sort of I'm like, sorry. uh. My husband just walked into the, walked past us. No, he should no. <laughs> Holding a dog and coffee. It's like, no. No, some guys, it kind of depends. It's sort of a, um, what is it? There's the Oedipin complex and the other complex where you're kind of attracted to your mother. 
And that, if you get stalled in that zone in your head, you're definitely going to like older women. And then, for me, someone like Cruella de Vil is attractive more because of, you know, she's very striking, very sort of intimidating, and, um... Intimidation is a big part of older, oh, yeah. finding older people attractive, I think. And it's sort of the, the, the stability and the structure that they mm-hmm. have. You, you realize that that comes from, you know, experience and kicking ass, and, like, that is... That's it's all attractive. very attractive. I yeah. think it's, um... I think I'd be hard-pressed to find somebody who, a guy my age, who wouldn't be like, yeah, Glenn Close is Cruella de Vil. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you brought up the, o- is it Oedipus? Oedipin Complex. Oedipin so, Complex? I Oedipus? think that's the one where, yeah, that's when the boy is attracted to the mother. Okay. Because, I mean, I don't want to say that if you are attracted to an older person that could be your parents' age, I don't want to link that directly to, oh, you're attracted to your parents. Oh, there's plenty of reasons to be attracted to older people. That's just kind of the... the when I was taking psychology, that was the first thing I learned about where, where that might come from. Yeah. Other people... For me, it's more, you know, I like that she's so professional and very clean-cut with what her personality's about. Someone who knows what they want, like, that's pretty attractive to me on a base level. And she's got hobbies, clearly. <laughs> she she has a collection of sorts. Mm-hmm. She has mm-hmm. some money. Well, that's part of it, I feel. That's part of the whole stability. And the fur fetish thing is interesting, too, because, you know, for someone wearing the fur, it's about how it looks on you and, like, the feel of that, that texture, I think, are both things that play into that. And for men watching a video like what you described, I think there's sort of a twofold fantasy there where it's like, I just bought this person a coat. Like, feel that sort of financial dominance or, like, providing for someone. Like, that can be part of your fantasy. Or it can be just simply that you you also like the look and the feel of that fur on somebody. Yes. And I think a lot of the things that I was reading about it, it's it's really just basic and simple. To them, it's the same as if you like lingerie. This is, yeah. like, that form of, this is really sexy. Lingerie is clothing. The only difference is lingerie is revealing revealing yeah whereas i feel like with fur have, has yeah. a mystery to it because you can't really can't see through it well fur comes from animals so it's no good <laughs> and i actually i don't mind i'm one of those people that really honestly doesn't mind wearing fake fur and the problem people have with it is oh if you wear fake fur it's going to make people other people feel like it's okay to wear real fur so why would you even wear fake fur? Because you know that's... you know what it means, and what it means is bad. I think that's BS because there's so many different forms of fake fur that's so obviously fake. That, yeah, like... <laughs> I know. <laughs> like, like really, remember, you you're really her... jumping a bridge here. In the nineties, <laughs> with like when the Spice Girls were popular, there was like oh, God. there was like plastic neon green yep. fake fur rugs and shit yeah. that was popular, and like uh, hair pieces. Oh yeah, come on. Like I just I do not have a problem with wearing fake fur as much as I I love the meaning behind not wearing real fur yeah I don't mind I don't mind the fake stuff you can't be in control of anybody else's actions that's what's so like infuriating about anybody who's like oh if you wear fake fur you're gonna make somebody else who gives a shit I I don't care I I don't mind enjoying the stuff that's fake no matter what it is as long as you are smart enough to understand that you shouldn't like the real thing like even with porn like when you think of, I a friend the other day on Facebook was condemning porn that's like rape porn and I I had to make a comment about like well think of 50 shades of gray the movie and the book the reason why I don't like that book and the movie 
You like that book and movie, don't you? I've never you read it or it. seen the movie. You mentioned in a, po- in a podcast and I cut that part out. <laughs> oh, yeah. I didn't, I've never read the book or have seen the movie. And okay. from what I've heard or little excerpts of seen of the movie or the book, I don't understand how it got popular. The reason why I condemn the movie and the book is because people talk about it and they, the media totes the film as a romantic movie and it's a romance film that's romantic and about love and that's not what that movie and book is. If you enjoy that book and that movie, you have a kink for dubious consent and non-consensual situations and it's okay to have that as long as... It's, it's only healthy if you realize that it's a kink for something that's that you enjoy knowing that it's fake. But you can't look at something that's non-consensual and say that it's romantic. That's what's bad. Yeah, that's the BDSM why community the thing, has completely decried the that. The thing movie. that, yeah, yeah, that's what I didn't like about it is like BDSM is you need to know your shit. Like yeah. it's not something you should just introduce to the world playfully, which I feel like this was kind of, it was just like, oh, most I would say, like, a lot of people kind of have heard of BDSM or know a little bit about it, but I feel like this just kind of pushed it out there mm-hmm. like it was any other, like, kind of vanilla sexual type yeah, fetish no. where it's like, no, this there's rules. <laughs> like, if- you need to know what they are. And this is actually a pretty, like, intense fetish that you need to you need to know all the ins and, and outs. nobody hardly anybody and no, knows that no. going into the film and the book and that's and what so i didn't like <laughs> if the book and the movie had been toted as hey this is a non-consensual dubious consent dubcon um rapey you know, kink movie and book and people in a healthy way realized that and accepted that they still liked the movie which all the people that like the book and the movie do, then I'd be fine with it if they, in a healthy way, realized that, oh, they're into non-consensual stuff as a kink, which basically, a.k.a. means it's not real. Yeah. Then I'd be fine with that. I'd think it was awesome, because there's plenty of people out there like that. Oh, yeah. Um, There's a lot of, like, fandom communities that they realize that, and so they're doing it in a healthy way. But all these, like, moms out there drinking wine and, like... It's Reading about people. this, like, kink they know nothing about. No, no, no. They think... don't see it as a kink. They, they see it as a romantic film that you'd watch Ugh. on Valentine's Day. Yeah, which is, like, not... <laughs> That's what I didn't <laughs> like. It's, like, it. I, if you're going to dive into, like, a fetish, do it right. This isn't just some... They weren't doing, like, some random vanilla sex acts, which is pretty much what most movies have. This went from, like, zero to ten as far as sex scenes usually do in movies i'm assuming because i still have not seen a movie i just don't have any real interest in it but i mean based on how popular it got it definitely didn't do bds and community any justice by giving any real information because it got way too big did you just it, call it the bs community no bdsm <laughs> i said bdsm but i did it really fast but i'm just saying like it got so popular and people weren't outraged and it was like if you I feel like there would have been a little bit more backlash if people knew exactly what this all was. Just be smart about In a real way. Your, just be smart about your case. Because people are really um, kind of conservative. You but. know who would love that movie and also star in that movie? Cruella DeVille. <laughs> <laughs> she kind of would. Walk in in fur. <laughs> yeah. Just black latex suit and fur. Yeah. Wearing gloves. She'd be perfect. I think and that's she the had feeling that, you like, get off of her, though, is that yeah. she would, that she is very domineering yeah. and, uh, 
Isn't that kind of the storyline that is in 101 Dalmatians with Anita and Cruella DeVille? Because mm-hmm. she, it's her assistant, right? Or some someone that works lower in her company. Yeah, she's just a designer there. I like, like It's their... weird. I think it's weird that in the first film, I said this at the beginning of the podcast, but it's true. In the first film, Cruella DeVille doesn't have any interest in Dalmatians until she starts hanging out with Anita and kind of noses her way into Anita's life and realizes she has all these puppy dogs. Then in the sequel, Cruella DeVille, she's fine. She's... She's she's she has turned over a new leaf, and then all of a sudden, her, it's her probation officer. It's this identical young blonde woman who happens to own dipstick from the first film, and Cruella's doing great with her life until she falls back into this this world of young blonde women that own Dalmatian dogs, and yeah. then she just gets fucked over again. <laughs> I found that kind of weird too. Like even when you kind of read back into the book they're like oh Koala and Anita were friends were like they knew each other from school they went to the same school but they weren't really close friends and That's it was cool. like then how did they run into each other again like what was the point of them being so close that she invited her to a dinner party with all of her friends what they weren't friends in school they just went to the same school and it made it seem like they were around the same age and oh, in the really? movie because they went to the same school, so they knew of each other. They... So at a certain point, like, if you're thinking, like, high school, like, you can only be three years older than Does the person. Does it say in the book what age they're supposed to be? If they're around the same age, are they older or younger? Reading Cliff Notes, I couldn't really get a sense of how old they really were. But if they went to the same school, you can only be so many years apart. And even if you're thinking of college, like, you really only can be so so many years apart. So Does anyone know old Greg? Yeah. From the Mighty Boosh. Mm-hmm. Uh, did you notice at the end of the film when she has her her face in the paper when she got when she was all muddy and covered with the tar or oh or the molasses yeah. the molasses she looks just like old Greg. Huh. <laughs> I didn't think of that. She looks like old Greg. I wrote it down, and then in the sequel, what happens to her in the sequel at the end? Keep in mind, this is all Glenn Close. I mean, Glenn Close is an amazing actress. She got so... there's There was so much physical, like, stunt work that she did, and it's all, like, getting, like, all gross and, like, muddy. Oh, yeah. And she fell into the molasses. She said no yeah. stunt double. She's Straight like, up. I'm doing it. And yeah. It's pretty badass. So in the sequel, they obviously go one step above, and she... They're having their big ending at a bakery warehouse, and everything is the conveyor belt it's like human sized so she basically gets baked into a birthday cake at the end but she has to go through all this stuff where uh, she gets mixed up into the bowl with all the eggs and the flour and she comes out and she's covered with cake batter and she looks like she's all like stooped over and she's very she's like covered in it but you can still see her like black makeup underneath and she has like all this stuff running down her nose her nose looks like a witch's nose and it's all over her gloved hands and she basically oh because she's wearing all these furs and the fur, all of her big clothes is covered with this goopy cake batter. And what she looks like is an inverted color scheme of Danny DeVito's The Penguin from Batman Returns. <laughs> so in both of these films, she ends up looking like very uh, no- like noticeable um, other characters, monster yeah. characters. And then she gets baked into a cake and they all the dogs, she's on the conveyor belt and she's cooling off and all the dogs uh, jump on these giant cake frosting things that are like shooting frosting all over her and they one dog like knocks over things, sprinkles and she gets sprinkles. 
And then they roll her into the back of like a paddy wagon at the end and get sent off to jail. As yeah, a cake. cake. <laughs> That's crazy. It's free on, um, <laughs> on Amazon. Oh, is it? Shit. Okay. Well, I think I watched it on YouTube. <laughs> I started to watch the sequel of the, the original. Yeah. <laughs> I, I ended up paying for it because I felt bad. I've been trying to pay for movies lately just because yeah. a lot of people have, like, free movie tickets and I just don't go because I feel like I want to give them my money yeah. yes, for making their art. I get it. Has Have you ever heard anyone actually say, oh, Cruella de Vil is hot in any capacity? Mm-mm. You know, I looked around on Instagram because I actually keep seeing cosplayers. Since we've done Freddy Krueger, I keep seeing cosplayers do Freddy Krueger, and I'm like, dang, <laughs> that gender swap Freddy Krueger's hot. And so I like was looking for Cruella DeVille this time, and what some people did was basically there are makeup artists and hair people who do the hair and makeup, because it's just really fun to do. And then, especially yeah. if you're going to do very hot couture outfits, this just kind of has a, a good look to it. Um, I didn't see as much of people replicating the exact costumes, but I did see some cosplay. Mm-hmm. And it seems like people like it more because it's a really fun character to walk around a convention and yell at people and be, like, just really outgoing versus sexy, where people doing, like, the Freddy thing, it's, like, kind of a sexy, funny thing. Yeah. Um... It seems like people get more out of the power dynamic of playing Krilla DeVille. I haven't actually heard anyone ever say, come out and say, oh, I actually think Krilla DeVille is hot. I see her more as an avatar for people wanting to feel sexy. Because there are those uh, those cheesy Cruella Deville sexy Halloween costume things that you that, yeah of course. That you always come across. You kind of have to do it piece by piece. You have to like find really cool stuff yeah. and and yeah. there there is a lot of uh, hand done like Cruella Deville oh, Halloween yeah. costumes, and then there is the the cosplay. And I didn't think about it before, but you said people incorporate, like, makeup artists and hair artists incorporate the hair and the makeup into the clothing of that outfit. Mm -hmm. So, number one, I feel like that would be really fun to do in the first place. And if you're doing it for a convention, acting out her personality would be wildly fun. Oh, yeah. But I do see Cruella DeVille, I guess, as more of an avatar for people wanting to put on those clothes and feel, like, flashy and, like... Kind of like just fun and and because she was extremely flashy even with just wearing black. Yeah, everything about it was like intense. In the cartoon movie, does she change her outfit or is she just kind of wearing that coat and that like slinky dress? That pretty much that slinky dress the whole time, as I recall. When I did see people dressing up as Cruella Deville, I mean, you can basically wear whatever you want. There's usually like a like a 1940s or a 1950s type feel going on with it, especially because it's like the fur coats. But it's basically whatever you want, as long as it's black and white or red. And those long red gloves in the cartoon are really cool, kind of Jessica Rabbit. Oh yeah, yeah. long red gloves. Really, yeah. she has really long fingers and stuff. She's, yeah. she's very like uh, demonic in the cartoon. Yeah. Another thing I, I saw online was people, so people will do, they'll create, I guess, fan art of all the Disney princesses. And what I noticed looking at Cruella DeVille was, I guess they just do the same thing, but with Disney villains. Mm-hmm. And Cruella is always a part of it. They'll do all the Disney villains, but like wearing like cute clothes or like sex or like being like really sexy or being really pretty. And uh, it's like the compilations of, of all of them together. 
Yeah, I've and seen it's like really neat. there's like the pinup series that's mm-hmm. like that, and then there's also just like a high fashion series which is like that. And Cruella Deville, like they were like they went wild with that because she's already kind of high fashion. And then I'm trying to think of other themes I've seen that in. It's mainly the princesses I've seen. I think that's where it started. Was let's draw all the Disney princesses together, and then I noticed this a couple months ago looking up I don't know what, but. If you, I think if you just Google, like, villains or something and go into Google Images, they do the same thing. It's the Disney princess thing, but with all the, like, kind of... It's mostly, like, the 80s villains, Yeah. but they'll draw all the villains together. Not, like, as a fashion thing, but, like, maybe they're all, like, posing or, like, they're all killing someone or something. Yeah. But it's, like, a black and red color-schemed... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, let's, let's go around. Who do you think she's sexy? Cruella uh... Deville. Is she sexy? I find her endlessly attractive. I think I'm coming from it knowing that a lot of women, she fits a kink for uh, women that are attracted to women because she's older and she's powerful. And I guess when when they show close-ups of her face, she's not so great, but her lipstick is just amazing. Yeah. Yeah, she seems really fun. I would hang out with her. Yes. I want to be friends with that girl. Yes, for Cruella DeVille. Yeah, I want to hang out with Cruella DeVille. I want to see what she's like outside the office. Cool. Mm-hmm. We're going to happy hour and we're hanging out around town. I just think there's a whole nother side. I would love to go out with Cruella DeVille like around New York. And then, like, we go back to, like, a big high-rise apartment, and she's with, like, a man or something with, like, a suit or, like, a lady. And I'd be, like, throwing my, like, fist up in the air, like, you get that! (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I definitely think she's sexy, yeah. She's got, you know, the the tall figure going on, and she's definitely a strong, independent woman. But she also, you know, drives really cool cars, has a lot of dominance over men, has a great business, is very passionate... There's a lot about her to, to hate, but there's a lot that's really attractive about Cruella yeah. DeVille. Mm-hmm. Good you know, villain. You take that animal problem she has out of the equation, <laughs> and she's pretty great. Um, yeah. <laughs> she's kind of, yeah, because she's a little bit sadistic. She's kind of... Sh- oh, she al- you know what? Like, she also has awful. that anger problem. If you take that's what away, I mean. Yeah, yeah, like, you can't hang not. out with her. Like, I don't want to be best friends. Like, I don't want her calling me at midnight. She has emotional issues. Once every other week, if we were to go out, and then maybe if she got a little messy, like, I can leave and she wouldn't notice. Like, How did I cool. manage to, to forget that she has major anger issues? She is a little, watching it, you're like, is she bipolar? Like, what is happening? Like, she went from zero to ten in, like, two seconds. Like, you did not need to get angry about tea. Like, <laughs> it's fine. <laughs> What uh, what food would she be? I can't mm-hmm. say Oreo because Moriarty's an Oreo. Yeah, Not a little Oreo. <laughs> <laughs> what kind of food would she be? <sighs> Ter- no. Well, tiramisu. That's stupid. I want to say something really decadent like foie gras that involves animal cruelty. Oh, <laughs> okay. Because you have to force feed. Uh, well, traditionally they force feed geese to make foie gras. You don't actually have to do that though, but they do. And I feel like that kind of has the sadistic nature of you you don't give a fuck about the animal to get what you want out of it, which yeah. is... Fragua's a good one. Yeah. I think that's pretty decadent, and a spoiled heiress, she would probably eat that all the time. Totally. Not care at all. I'm just going to stick with tiramisu, because I can't... It's so early, I can't think right now. It has coffee in it. I'm sure she drinks a lot of coffee. <laughs> and it's fancy. It is fancy. I'm trying to think, like, Fragua is so good. 
Mm-hmm. I want some, but I'm vegan, so I'm not going to. <laughs> you haven't tried Maybe? vegan foie gras yet? Just kidding. <laughs> <Lord>. <laughs> it's tofu. Probably. Or chickpeas. <laughs> I don't know. Check, I'm thinking something weird. Maybe something weird and eccentric and weird. Take like time. a hundred year old egg. One of those just really oh, the gross. Ones that they bury and then yeah, they yeah, yeah. Like something like that. Like You're right. Like, the ones that they like. She's just an odd duck. You yeah. break the top and they like eat it on the street. Yeah, yeah, and it looks because she's spoiled. Utterly she's gross. nasty. Yeah, but I feel like she'd be into that. Like she's so rich that she would be into like right above there. Like it's so gross. But then it's so rare that she... Right. Yeah. I think that's a good, like, meal right there. Like, we should look up the name of those eggs. I think they're just, like, called, like... I really thought there were a hundred... I was like, so people just buried them a hundred years ago? Just waiting, <laughs> like, all right, it's much to the spot. There's, there's, here's the eggs. Are they duck eggs? Century egg? I'm not sure. Preserved duck egg? Oh, yeah. Yeah, and they're, the color, they're, like, gray-black. But they're pretty. They look like stones. They're pretty until you realize that they're eggs. Yeah. Whoa. Okay, so we have... It's like a little meal. You're going to start with your preserved duck egg, black and gray in color, and you move on to your fragua, and you finish it off with tiramisu mm-hmm. and have a party. Have that a little bit. Cruella de Vil, the meal. What is it? It's not calamari. It's um Caviar. Caviar. <laughs> Have caviar too, little Foie fish gras egg. And caviar. There yeah. was a, a cooking show a long time ago, and this chef did. Uh, he used a black ink, and he he made his caviar black. Oh, that makes sense for her because they I look want, like black pearls. When I was looking at the book wiki as we were talking, there's something about her like putting black ink in her mouth. That's what I was just gonna look up. Wait, what? She like yeah. gets suspended from school, or something happens yeah. to her at school where she puts like black ink in her mouth. I don't know if it's part of her look or just Is she's just being movie? crazy. It's in the book. It's in the book. Oh, oh, she was a menacing student with black and white palettes and was expelled for drinking ink. Hmm. That's weird. Yeah, woof. Yeah. Okay. Who, who is our next villain? Let's do Gus Spring from ba- from Breaking Bad. He is smoking hot. I mean, yeah. <laughs> Uh, look us up on, uh, easiest ways to look us up on Google by typing in hot, bad pod. I mean, I don't want to list off everything. It sends you to our Instagram, our Facebook page, our Tumblr page, our, hopefully our SoundCloud, (laughs) SoundCloud page. Yeah. But everything has links to everything anyway. So subscribe to us on iTunes. Send us your creep corner stories. We haven't received any yet, but like I said, if there's anyone out there that is super hot to you, guys, girls, genuine, genderless monsters, uh, send us a story and we'll read it at the end of every show. Have a good day. It's about yeah. to rain here, so... Um, As always when we record. Yeah. Always raining. <laughs> really? Oh, it always rains when we record. Well, thanks everyone for listening and stop by again. And our next podcast will be Gus Fring from Breaking Bad. Yay! So excited. Attention. Bye, guys. Bye. That was fun.